And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters and 2018. Those of you who have been on a break, I hope you had a lovely break. Um, I certainly did. I had some great camping experience with the family. And when I say camping, I do, of course, mean glamping. It wasn't that uh, tricky. (laughs) No rough camping for me. Thank you very much. But I hope you did. I hope you had a break. Um, As small businesses, we're notoriously bad at taking time off and actually sitting down and doing that whole nothing thing um, and spending time with the family. So I'm hoping that everyone did. It's going to be a great jam-packed year here on Small Biz. We've already got loads of guests lined up in the first couple of months. We're going to be talking legals today, in fact, with our our good friend Michelle Archer. And we're going to be talking about um, frequent flyer points in a couple of weeks with a a guy who is good to calls himself the points whisperer. We've got local politicians coming on board. There's some absolutely fantastic stuff that I'm going to tell you about in the show a little bit later that's happening in the local Hornsby area as well. Um, But let's first uh, jump into today's show. We're going to be talking to Michelle Archer. Welcome back to the show today, Michelle. Thank you, Lexi, and happy new year to you and all your listeners. Indeed, indeed. Look, it's it's um it's an interesting show today. I'm 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 super excited because it's incredibly topical. As as was the last show that we had. If those of our regular listeners will remember, Michelle came on the yes. show and talked all about sexual harassment. Hit the news again. I know. Yesterday. Thanks, Oprah. Um, I'd like to say that we were part of that. Um, part of that phenomenon <laughs> just very, keeping very the momentum going way. yes <laughs> um, but those of you who of course missed the show can check it out online at the smallbizmatters.com.au website and speaking of which if you've got a topic that you'd like us to cover or you're an expert in your field and you'd like to come on the show and talk to us about it and share all your knowledge with our listeners get in touch via our facebook page small biz matters australia and uh, just just flick us an email or a pm or Whatever method of communication you choose for 2018, because I'm sure it'll be changing by 2019, the way that we communicate. I actually, Michelle, had a a client um, who threw at me a completely new app that he wanted to communicate. It wasn't WhatsApp. It wasn't texts. It wasn't emails. It wasn't Facebook PMs. It was something I hadn't even heard of. And he insisted that that was the way he was going to communicate because he was sure that the method of communication was encrypted and it was safe and and I I sort of had to explain, well, in my mind, nothing is really 100% safe unless you're sitting in a room without a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Or a recording device. A recording device and having a conversation. But that was quite interesting. But let's talk about today's show. Today's show we're going to be talking about entitlements. Uh, We're talking about, um, well, obviously, uh, anybody out there who's got even one employee uh, will have had some entitlements, um, some leave accruing over the last little bit. Let's talk about that phenomenon that seemed to creep up on all of us in the corporate world in the last, say, 20 years, which is enforced leave. Now, I... I sort of got a bit of a, a, I got a bit stunned when I was working when I found out that there was closure. That, of course, is completely legal, isn't it, from a from an employer's perspective? They're allowed to close between Christmas, Christmas and New Year. Christmas and New Year, yeah. So um, the Act provides that um, an employer can require that an employee to take leave in that particular um, period provided it's reasonable and and the, there's even little notes in the act that says you know for example a christmas shutdown is reasonable so mm. i think it's not um unreasonable to say well look you know business is slow in that time of the year and everybody take leave and it's not a requirement they take all of their leave but just a small part and obviously the public holidays are excluded from, exactly from if you it. count the public holidays and you go between christmas and new, christmas and new year you're left with about maybe four or five days of leave depending on when the weekends fall really yeah. and that means that that person um 
What about going into negative accruals? Because um, those of you who are maybe not familiar with the accrual system, as you work, you accrue a certain number of hours per week or per month um, and that builds up uh, and then you use it as annual leave and personal carer's leave, also known as sick leave. So um, can you go into negative territory with that? Is there any legal ramifications if you're employing someone and they haven't worked for long enough and you need to... Well, there's kind of two options. Um, The first option is just leave without pay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like an employer can... I mean, you'll often see it in um, contracts and things that, you know, we shut down over Christmas and that you have to take your leave. Um, And the wise employer would have some contingency in the contract to say, well, if you don't have the accrued leave, you'll have to take leave without pay or, or, you know, we may consider leave in advance um, on perhaps with some conditions or or just, you know, they will pay leave in advance. So normally you would um, have that in in your contract or at least have a policy in, Mm. in in the... company policies are a bit more flexible than the contract so mm. you can make changes but you basically you've got to notify people you've got to give them you know a bit of warning that you know well you're going to have to take that period of time off um, but to answer your question about um, if they don't have the leave they can either take it leave without pay or the employer may choose to pay it in advance you know on the basis I would assume that the employee is going to come back and you know accrue that mm. um, the bit that's been paid to them. In, in your advance. experience is it usually uh, that, that the employer will force them to either take one or the other like it's their choice or is it the employee's choice or is it something that needs to be mutual? Um, I mean whether they go into negative territory whether, or they take leave without pay? Oh well I, well yeah, it, I don't think there's any particular way of doing it um mm. you know it be the employer and the employee's choice the act provides that the employer and employee can agree on these things like when um annual leave is taken and if it goes into um negatives like you know what would ha- if they can take a leave in advance and those sort of things so the act does provide that agreements can be made um between the employer and the but it's obviously going to be a matter of communication between the individual employer and employee what suits them best. And I was going to say from a practical perspective, when you talk about communication, writing is good, emails are good, (laughs) a verbal chat with a bit of a, you know, mention on a a napkin isn't great. You're like me, Alexia. We love emails. Emails are date and time stamped. And legal mail. Wasn't there a time, you know, years in the past where those emails weren't actually considered a legal document because Um, you could change the date when you've got you know, emails flying around? Not not that I'm aware of. I mean, the Act always says in writing or, you know, like so it's not necessarily specified or, you know, it must be, you know, on letterhead or, or, you know, anything like that. But um, emails are, are, you know, everything's done by email now. So everything is, um, you know, done in that way. So, yeah, no, definitely it's a good evidence of, you know, this is the agreement we've struck. And even if you have a a sort of from a practical perspective, even if you have a verbal conversation, if you write it down and you say, okay, as per our conversation we had yesterday, here's what we discussed. um, Let me know if you want to discuss this further. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, we've all been in situations where, you know, we've been in a meeting or a conference or something and we have a recollection of what was said, um, but someone has a completely different recollection and they're not necessarily incompatible or one person's being dishonest. It's just that someone's remembered something different to someone else. So, Mm. or you're listening out for what you want to hear and the other person is, is not really paying attention to, to that. So yeah, um, always following up 
in writing is is always best because it it leaves any um, disputes. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Said at the door. Now, so we've got to, we've got a period obviously that lots of people have taken time off and and they've um, and they've either accrued, as we mentioned, either they've taken it into negative territory or they've decided to take leave without pay. Um, would you suggest? How, how do you process that best in terms of, of payroll? It's always a good idea to use a, some sort of a payroll system because we have such a complicated entitlement system. Oh, that's your area, yeah. Lexi. <laughs> well, I, I didn't get into payroll too much, yeah. but, yeah, obviously um, you, uh, documenting it somehow. Yes. Um, and and as I, um, uh, you know, pointed out, it, it annual leave accrues from day one. It used to be the par- mm. in the past that you'd have to work 12 months before you qualified to get your four weeks. So for the first 12 months of employment, you were, you were always unable to take paid annual leave because you hadn't yet accrued it. Now it accrues from day one. So When you're part-time or full-time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, as a rough guide, you know, every three months you've accrued already one week's worth of annual leave. Um, so, you know, you need to keep on top of well, you know, the accrual and how, what days have been taken and what, you know, what days have got left and that sort of stuff. So you have to have some sort of system to make sure that you're keeping track of that. Yeah. It's amazing how many people don't. Oh, it's amazing. I've got, I've come across quite a few businesses who have accrued leave using Excel spreadsheets, uh, but they've only done it to two decimal places. Um, and most of the accounting software does it to four. Right. So there's your first problem. Yeah. Um, And and so it's, it's almost that, a misunderstanding of what's how, when it when it accrues and it's complex. It's yeah. a lot of the um, accounting system. When I say accounting system, please don't use a free one or something that's based in the United States because their <laughs> system is completely different from ours. But something that understands um, our employment payroll regulations to some extent is helpful because it helps you to accrue the leave. It helps you to track when they've stopped mm. being casual and when they've started being full time presumably something that you can subscribe to that will update it as, yes. as changes are made. Like tax tables and yes. things like that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Online yeah. online services are great. Having said that, though, I did have a bit of a mild panic attack earlier this year, this week when I heard about the um, sudden, what was it, a sudden uh, sudden slowing down of the internet by 30 to 40%. Have you heard about this? No. So the, all the chips in the world, all the microchips, excuse me, please, IT people, turn, oh, this switch is yourselves on the phones off. or something. No, no, no it's on phones? everything, oh, every okay. computer device. Yeah. And yeah, oh. if you have any knowledge about this, please don't listen because I'm going to sound like a real moron here. But from what I've You're heard and read on the news is that all the Intel chips of a certain generation are broken. There's something wrong with them and they've... Oh, yes, I did hear something mm, about that, yeah. And the patch to fix it then slows down your internet connectivity by 30 to 40%. No, I hadn't heard that bit. So worldwide, we're looking at almost every single device just grinding to a halt. So although I'm a big um, fan of uh, online accounting systems. They're great <laughs> as long as you've got solid, good access to the internet. And let me just say, Julie and Lisa, where is my NBN? Just throw a little political statement in there. But um, yeah, it would be great if Hornsby had NBN for Hornsby businesses. But in the meantime, yes, that's a kind of important thing. You need to be mm. able to run payroll. And if you can't access your uh, internet and you're on an online system, are you not meeting your obligations because you don't run it on time? Is there certain obligations you have to run payroll and issue pay slips and pay um, people on time? Well, there are lots time? of different time um, 
regulations about payroll. Uh, probably the, the Act provides that you must be paid at least monthly. Um, so if you're paying kind of weekly or fortnightly, then you know you're well and truly inside that standard. Yes. I guess the issue is more about if you're late, um, you know, people have obligations to pay their bills and, you know, you're not going to have a very happy employee. Um, you're probably not going to get into too much drive with the regulatory authorities if you're a day or two late, but, you know, your employees won't be too no, uh, happy with you. You won't hang on to them. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then you of course, you've got the um, the timeframes around superannuation. You must pay your superannuation. Those things you're definitely obliged to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Those sort of things, and and you probably also on PAYG tax. Again, I'm kind of that's more your space than mine, Lexi. About when those things are uh, to be done. Are you yeah, exactly? Yeah. And and speaking of and because we were talking about entitlements today, that is part of the National Employment Standard. Now we mentioned this in our last program when we were chatting about that. The, the ten, um, I want to say bylaws. That's the wrong word. Um, laws. Laws. <laughs> it's a law uh, that that requ- you have as a requirement for you when you are an employer when dealing with an employee. And of course, entitlements, annual leave, and sick leave slash personal carers leave. Uh, fall under those national employment standards. There's also a couple that people aren't aware of, which is compassionate leave. Um, So if you have a a death or a serious illness in your immediate family, you are entitled to, um, I think it's two days paid leave and then also some unpaid leave as well um, for for that sort of thing. Also um, community service leave. So if you get impaneled on a jury or if you're a rural fire, you know, you're um, doing a community volunteering type activity like a rural fire brigade or something like that, mm. you can also um, uh, take leave. And you have to, as as law as well, you have to provide those national employment standards to your employees when they begin. Yeah, there's a what's called the Fair Work Information Statement, yes. which is um, actually number ten in the in the NES um, or National Employment Standard that you provide a copy of the Fair Work Information Statement to your employees. So if you haven't done that yet and you have already had employees for possibly a number of years, just download the PDF from anywhere online. Yeah, just uh, Google it and it'll yeah. immediately and pop immediately up. send it to your employees because yeah. you should have done that when yeah. they started. Um, if ever I do a contract for a, for a client of mine, I always attach it as a as an attachment to the contract so that you yeah, can. Yeah, so it's an If you've got a, um, you know, a, a display, um, what do you call it, board? Sorry, mm. I'm a bit, not quite up with it yet in the new year. Um, you should have it on your um, display board. Oh, right, for your employees. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's a good idea. I mean, email's great, as you said earlier, that it's great to do that because then you can track when something's been sent. You've got the date and the timestamp yeah. and, and yeah. you can prove yeah. that you've, you've handed that information yeah. over. Now, we're just going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. You're here with myself, Alexi Boyd and Michelle Archer, and we're talking all about entitlements and dealing with employees after coming back from the Christmas break in terms of employment law. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with Triple H 100.1 FM after this. Let's get back to what we were talking about today, which is entitlements, which is a very poignant topic. I'm here with my guest today, Michelle Archer from Archer Law. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank you, Alexi. Now, just before the break, we were talking about um, leave and how to communicate best with your staff. And and you mentioned about um, taking leave and uh, having a chat to your staff about when they can, when they should. We talked about outages periods during the Christmas period, which, of course, you can request from your staff, and that's perfectly legal and, and quite common. Um, what happens when, when it comes to other leave requests? Uh, is there a specific method that must be used in order for a staff member to, to request, or is it um, 
fairly flexible? Can it be verbal? I'm just looking at the musts here from a legal perspective. Um, well, yes, of course, a request can be verbal. Um, you know, again, we've already mentioned the um, recommended thing is that it not be verbal, that it be in writing, that you have a record. Mm. Um Sick leave is, or what's called now personal leave is probably the one which is most contentious in that kind of area about what um, what is required or not required in terms of um, evidence. Mm. So the employer can request um, a medical certificate or or other like evidence of of the need for personal um, leave. Is this after a certain number of days? Because you remember you think back to when you were in high school and you had to have a medical certificate if you were away for more than three days. Is mm. there any sort of a, a line in the sand for that? Not really. It's, it's, it's really up to the employer to... Um, the Act says if the, re- if the employer requires evidence, then, um, you know, a, you know um, a medical certificate or other sufficient evidence um, can be supplied. So it's really up to the employer as to whether they say, well, you know, one day's okay, but, you know, if you're off for two days or whatever. So um, a lot of employers don't really, you know, if you've got a reasonably good relationship with your employees, you don't worry too much if they say they're sick, they're sick. So, yeah. you know. Um, and if it's one or two days, yeah. exactly. Um, but, you but you know, again, um, either policies or it, within the contract itself, you can you can have a requirement that if you're away for more than two days or or whatever, that a medical certificate can be provided. Um, some people will provide a statutory declaration, like they, you know, they don't need to go to the doctor necessarily, well, you know, the doctor, or they've got yeah. a terrible flu and they know exactly, you know, that they've got a flu and they don't want to be going to the doctor to be told they've got a flu. Yeah. Um, you know, they they can provide a statutory declaration oh. or something like that. And that's like sufficient. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the awesome. Act doesn't prov- um, specify that you must have a medical certificate. It's, you know, you can you know, provide, say, a stat deck or something like that. Oh, that's um, if if the employer that. can um, wishes to accept that. But, yeah, so it's, it's reasonable evidence that would satisfy the employer. And, of course, nowadays um, mental health days always um, deemed to be very important, and they are. Is that something that comes under the fall or under the guise of personal carers, Lee? Where does that fall? Um, I... Are you talking about kind of doona days? Is that, have you ever heard that expression? <laughs> no, no, that's just, a new one. Oh, you know, just I can't face the world. I'm going to stay under the doona today. <laughs> doona days. Um, you know, well, really, if you're not sick or you, you know, are healthy enough to work, you should be going to work. But mm. obviously, um, we do have a very stressful um, working environment a lot of times and if it is affecting your health then you are more than entitled to take a day off. I do often hear people say I'm going to go off on stress leave. There's no such thing as stress leave. Um, It's personal or carer's leave. Um, You know it if but if your mental health condition is sufficient that you cannot work then you are entitled to take personal leave so mm-hmm. um but there is you know i've often clients come in to me and say oh i'm going to go off on stress leave i say well there's no such thing as you know stress leave it's, it's going to come out of your yeah, sick leave it's, it's, yeah it's personal leave mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um i guess that's maybe one of the reasons why they renamed it personal leave yeah. is because of it's not necessarily a, f- a, men- yeah. a f- medical illness yeah. or a physical illness well the, the i think that probably the main reason is it's personal slash carer's leave so you don't you don't if you're the employee, you have to be sick. It might be a child or or someone in your family that you need to take care of, mm. um, and you might need to provide a medical certificate f- uh, for them yes. to your employer. Yeah. Um, so that you know, that's I think that's where it comes from. Personal slash carers leave. So it might be personal 
leave for you or it might be leave to take care of someone yeah, else. Yeah. And going back to the um, the staff manual you mentioned before, sorry, you mentioned you said the policies document, um, that's something that we quite encourage businesses to have when they've got employees quite a lot on this show because it's a document that, unlike the employment contract, um, it's not a legally binding document, but it can change and you can update it frequently and you can have meetings with your staff to see, you know, various policies aren't mm. working and how they can be improved. I'll just stop you there. Yes. It is potentially legally binding. So oh. you've got to be careful in your contracts to say that the policies do not form part of the contract. In a number of years ago, there were some cases where um, people did say that um, that that the policies were kind of implied into their contract of employment mm. and they won on that. So you will see now all of the large corporates will say in their contracts that policies do not form part of the contract of employment so they can be changed at any time. Gotcha. Um, so it, it, you know, that's a bit... Uh, um, out there but generally speaking what you've said is correct but just be careful to that it should say in your contract of employment that policies are not part of the contract yes yeah but anyway your your point is correct that they can be changed and you you know you have to communicate those changes to your employees you can't just kind of change them and not kind of tell people and then you know pay gotcha when they when they've done the wrong thing or something so you've got to communicate still with your employees about your policies but yeah they are more adaptable to to changing circumstances. And having said that, of course, your contract, however it is worded, and your policies, however they are worded, they absolutely do not supersede the national employment standards. You can't say, I'm going to employ you for 10 years and you're not going to accrue any leave because you and I have both signed a document and I've forced you into that. It doesn't matter. It's completely superseded by the NS. And even if you're not forced into it, you, you, you can't not receive annual leave. Or you just can't be a yeah. bad person. Yeah. Don't yeah. be a yeah. bad employer. <laughs> you won't hang on to your staff. That's I right. had a wonderful guest um, a few weeks ago called Ush Danak, who was an emotional intelligence expert. Um, and I said to her, you know, how do people hang on to staff? How do you, you know, how do you find that good employee and really hang on to them so that they don't leave? And she said, you should not hoard your employees. And I went, what? And she said, well, well they're not your property. <laughs> Maybe you look at, uh, employment in a different way. Maybe you come at it with uh, this person is going to be here for X amount of time. They're only planning to be here for a year. Great. I will be their mentor. I will know from the outset how much, how long they're planning on spending here and then we'll work with that relationship as it is. And I thought it was a really great different way of looking at it. Um, having said that though, you can't um, undo any of those NES standards uh, and things right. like that. And the other, yeah, the other, peop- the other thing to remember is people are not slaves they're not servants they they it's a you know consenting agreement to work you know for you that they and their agreement is essential to that um to that contract so um yeah you you you're not kind of master of your you know your domain and can do whatever you like you must you must comply with the rules and also it just makes good business sense to communicate with your employees, make sure that they're happy and that they're, you know, willing and productive employees. Mm, that's right. And, and when, when it comes to unfair dismissals, just thinking about um, entitlements in terms of the legal realm, um, 
What sort of examples uh, can you give where entitlements have formed part of some sort of a case of unfair dismissal? Where, where do they fall into it? Because um, they have to be accrued correctly. They have to be paid correctly. You've got certain standards that you need to meet when people are part-time or full-time. Remembering, of course, today that we're not talking about employees that are casual. And then, of course, remembering the changes that came in was at the 1st of July last year that stated that um, if someone has been working for you for, is it 12 months and they've got regular hours that you then need to deem them as part-time or full-time, you can't just keep them on con- uh, casual um, forever? There's been, uh, there's been a, I must check the um, awards, but there was a um, case in the commission last year um, stating that they, they wanted there to be a mechanism within awards for casuals to... Um, to be able to convert to part-time or full-time employment um, and the individual awards are going to have different um, mechanisms to awesome. do that. Yeah. All 200. Um, How many are there? We're up to now? 400? Yeah. So um, there is this one that I've come across um, previously, which is actually, believe it or not, a pharmacy um, uh, award where there was actually no choice um, that the casuals just simply converted to part-time if they'd been there for a period of time. Um, but I think some of the, um, the what the commission was considering was more about if people, uh, not so much that they automatically became, but they could choose or, or the employer could, um, you know, could offer and that sort of stuff. Um, I haven't gone back and checked to see if, if because... The commission then sent everybody away and said, come back and tell me what you want in your particular award. Um, and I haven't gone back to check um, in the new year whether or not the awards have subsequently changed. But um, it, hasn't, it, it hasn't quite come to fruition uh, yeah, yet. Yeah, to a sort yeah. of a full-on legal The important thing for casuals, I mean, casuals obviously don't get annual leave or sick leave and those things, but um, some people don't um, remember. Casuals will receive long service leave. Mm. Um, so... Um, if you've had someone who's been casual for a long period of time, um, you know, it, it would probably make sense to have made them part-time but or full-time. But anyway, if they're still casual, you don't get out of long service leave. You still have to pay them long service leave. Interesting. And you've got, of course, the casual loading, so you should always be checking yep. the award rate. Um, and what people also forget is that 90% of jobs um, in Australia are covered by an award. So, yeah, so a lot yeah. of a lot of them are. Yeah, um, and it's a, a lot good... of people assume that they're not covered when they really are. Yeah. Um, there's you know there's some very general awards. Um, for example, the General Clerk's Award can can pretty much cover you know reception pretty much all office workers mm-hmm. you know who are not kind of management level. So mm-hmm. you know the awards can can reach you when you even if you don't think they, they can. and it's important i mean that's why we always say make sure that you've got a say a, a one month lead in time from when you're thinking about employing someone until you've actually employed them and you start the payroll process because you need to research these things you need to know what your obligations are how frequently you need to pay the um the requirement for the method uh, for the frequency of pay is actually built into the award so most awards are either weekly or fortnightly and also if you pay monthly with most awards you have to pay two weeks in arrear two weeks in advance which will make your head explode so don't 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 do that just pay fortnightly it's better for cash flow anyway just pay people fortnightly and then uh and then you know well i know not to force anybody into it but in my opinion the casual loading can really up the hourly rate more than you think um it's usually 25 um and if they're working on the weekends it, it it 
does other strange things as well. You, you know, there's an extra. Some of the awards will, you know, put an extra ten percent on, and you know, anyway, it's sort of leave loading. You, you do need to to look, um, but it's surprising sometimes when you look at the casual rate under an award. You know, that's a lot higher than you think. And you know, I've had some clients who are you know very good employers, and you know trying to do the right thing and I've actually looked and you kind of think oh yeah okay they've got some casuals and you look at the rate and you think oh actually they're just a bit under the award because even though it's a it's a good rate you mm. kind of think well once you add in all the the loadings um they're 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 not paying on award. So what happens in that scenario someone's come to you and they're getting an a sort of an employment audit they want to make sure they're doing things correctly and you realize that they've been underpaying staff are they by law required to go back and basically back pay? Yes, is the, is the short nutshell, answer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if I mean, if they it is um, if a complaint is made, for example, to the ombudsman, they can be prosecuted for being under the for paying under award. So yeah, you've got to rectify that situation as soon as possible. Mm. And um, of course, the ombudsman in their glory is is doing some very interesting uh, audits. They will pull entire um, categories. So they'll go, we're just going to audit hairdressers or we're going to audit um, beauticians. So they did that recently and I heard a, a, a thing bound down in Victoria where they went, we're just going to audit randomly 500 retailers and you're not going to know who that is. So um, I would almost say that people should be more concerned about the Fair Work Ombudsman mm. than All industries the that would would pay cash uh, a lot of the time and uh, you know that's probably what they're looking for in an audit like that they have extensive powers to come in and look through all your books um, so that you know th and they also have powers to sue um, third parties so like any accountants out there who if you know your clients and are bookkeepers paying, and bookkeepers yes, if you're we're liable. if you're paying if you're facilitating an employer to pay under award then you can be held liable by the ombudsman as or the ombudsman can prosecute you as well mm. um and yeah even internal bookkeepers as well can be personally prosecuted by the ombudsman if they are knowingly paying under award so yeah it's actually quite important to check the award and the rates and make sure that um they will often get, well, sorry, they will go up every 1st of July so that you're always constantly checking them. And it seems sure. to me like um, uh, as though the, the they've got more power than the ATO, for example, and, and, and people should be a little bit more nervous. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the ATO can be pretty scary too, I think, if they're, <laughs> if they're on your tail, but um, they will certainly uh, have powers to go in and and... And if you don't cooperate with them, you can also be in serious trouble. Yeah. Be, be, just be good. Just do the right thing from the word go, people. Just find the it's right easier. people. The it's right, so much it easier. Really easier. <laughs> but um, you can, I mean, I guess the point to be made is that you can be a, a, a very good employer, but just miss um, something. So um, if you do find that you've done something wrong, then, you know, rectify it, back pay. And don't forget, of course, any um, adjustments to superannuation as well. Um, and, you know, the ombuds, you'll, you know, you'll, get a tick for doing the right thing if if and when the ombudsman ever due came diligence. on your door. As long as you can be shown to be doing due diligence and yep. there's no, you know, specific yep. uh, criminal activity going on, then it, yeah. things will be a bit yeah. more favourable. Look, we're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. Uh, you're on Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. Now, um, we've been having a great discussion here on Small Biz Matters with Michelle Archer from Archer Law. She's our local expert when it comes to employment law matters and let's all just stop and reflect on the fact that we have 
probably what is the most complex employment law system in the world. Would that be accurate? Well, I've not really compared it with anywhere, anywhere else, Lexi, but it has its complexities, certainly. Yeah, we've got a lot of awards you need to be aware of. We've got the National Employment Standards, which you need to be aware of as an employer. Um, you've got, obviously, payroll obligations, timing obligations with paying people, and, of course, that big one, which is your super obligations. Uh, I actually just finished doing a job for a client where they had uh, been miscalculating their entitlements for about 12 months. So much like pay needing to be correct, you need to go back and make sure that the entitlements are accruing correctly. So if you realise there's something wrong, again, we come back to due diligence, um, you know, get some support, get some help, get an expert in that particular piece of accounting software, work out what the entitlement uh, balance should be, uh, and then make sure that you, you correct it for all your employees. Obviously, if you find it for one, likely chances there's going to be a problem for all of them. So that's my top admin bookkeeping tip for today from Boyd Office Management Services. Proud supporters of Triple H. I need to say that every time I say my business name. Uh, <laughs> so we're in the room today and we're talking about entitlements. Now, the last thing I wanted to chat to you today, Michelle, was when good employees go bad. So we all have lovely employees. They're all fabulous. And, and you know, if, if you're like me, you think everyone's wonderful and you're really quite bad at interviewing. But what happens if you literally come back to work and say scenario number one, the employer, employee just doesn't come back? They don't come back from holidays. What happens in that situation? Who's got the rights? You know, do you have any rights as an employer to sort of, you can't drag them back, I suppose. I mean, it's like what we were saying before, they're not servants and they're not slaves. So you can't force someone to work for you. Um, if they just don't come back from holidays, um, I guess it also depends on whether they've accrued all their, uh, whether they're taking things in advance and that, and if you've had an agreement about, well, if you're going to take holidays in advance of your accrual, then I want, you know, you to commit to working for a period of time. What if they don't? What if they have got a negative accrual? Are you entitled to make them pay pay it? Not unless, not without, and not without an agreement. I wouldn't have thought, agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the Act provides for a minimum period of notice that the employer must give to the employee if their employment is going to be terminated. Uh-huh. But there's not the reciprocal arrangement where the employee must provide um, in notice. It, the Act doesn't require awesome. it. You normally find that in contracts um, when you have an employment contract with your employee that you know each party must give you know a period of notice. Or and whatever. because that's not in the National Employment Standard, that's okay to um, create that and make it yeah, part of the contract? Yeah, so that's a contractual um, like legal right or, or um, obligation, whereas the NES only says that the employer must provide notice. There's no um, uh, requirement in the NES on the employee to give notice. So it's it must come from the contract. What if they break that contract? Like what if literally they have four weeks of, um, they've gone into negative four weeks for their annual leave. So they basically owe you four weeks of work and they give no notice and they leave. What's, what repercussions can you take? Well, again, it comes down to whatever you've got in the contract. But if, for example, they were to um, provide you with four weeks notice, um, you obviously wouldn't pay them that and I mean you could try and seek recovery from them um but it's basically going down the legal road yeah. and suing them yeah essentially yeah and it's, it's you know before it depends on you know if they're 
you know, paid thousands and thousands of dollars a week, then it might be worth recovery. But if it's only a, you know, a few hundred dollars, then, you know, the time and effort to go through the courts is going to be... Mm. So having said that, I guess you are taking quite a risk by letting people go into negative territory with their leave. Yeah, yeah. I think you would do it for trusted and, you know, employees who, you know, you've got a bit of a relationship with. I mean, you'll often um, find, you know, say, for example, when you're uh, employing a new person, they might say, oh, well, you know, I've got this holiday booked. Books, yeah. You know, like you would say, well, you know, you would you can you can take whatever accrued leave you've got to that point but otherwise it's leave without pay and most people would accept that that yes that would be the position so it's sort of a bit like that um you've got to judge um your employee as to where before you start paying out um leave in advance and i suppose um talking about it from a management perspective uh perhaps when you're about, I mean, everyone's stupid busy leading up to Christmas. I'm, I'm not a fan of the Christmas period, but I guess um, it's not a good, a good chance to sit down with your employees, or maybe it is. Either sit down with them at that point, or maybe say, look, as soon as we get back, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about your position and what your future is and what you're hoping to get out of the position. Do you need training? Do you need more support? Um, but almost offering that as a carrot to say, look, I am listening um, because Maybe it's that break that people yeah. say, okay, well, I've had a break from this job. I just don't want to go back. Yeah. But yeah. it's a good management technique, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I Look, I, you know, you should always be communicating with your employees about that sort of thing. Um, on the flip side, of course, is is excessive accrual of annual leave as well, which can be a burden that you've got to kind of carry because if they leave, you've got to pay them um, whatever they've accrued in annual leave. So the Act does provide that you can require them to take um, any excessive periods of leave. Um, again, it's you've got to, you know, you can't kind of say on, on a Monday, right, tomorrow you're off on annual leave for the next, you know, three months. Um, you know, that would be unusual to have three months um, accrued. But uh, you you can kind of, provided it's reasonable, um, ask them to reduce their annual leave entitlements. Um, the Act doesn't really define what excessive is. Awesome. Um, That's helpful. Yeah. But I, I would say, look, you really can't require them to to reduce their annual leave to less than the four weeks that they're entitled to every um, every year. Probably, you know, anything kind of over sort of six weeks is is going to be looked at as being excessive. Mm. So, you know, if you've got employees who are accruing, you know, um, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of an annual leave, um, you might want to think about requiring them to take some because if they did suddenly leave you, you would have to pay out that big lump sum to them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes down to that, isn't it? You've got to you've got to work out your payroll needs to be a part of your cash flow thoughts. Yep. And you also need to remember that entitlements, the annual leave and the sick leave that people are accruing, um, have a monetary value. Yep. And you need to think about those and yep. how much um, they could impact. If they do need to take six yep. weeks off, what's that going to do to your business paid exactly. leave? You're yep. looking at double staffing, so yep. that can be very expensive indeed. So on termination, you don't have to pay out sick leave, but you do have to pay out annual leave and long service leave. And the other trick about long service leave is... If you terminate an employee or if they resign because of illness or other, the Act says, pressing domestic necessity, whatever press, that is, press, pressing domestic um, wow. then you, after five years, you have to pay them your pro rata long service leave. So even if they're like a six or seven year employee, but they haven't yet got to the 10 years, which would entitle them to take 
um, long service leave. If they leave under particular circumstances, then you still have to pay them the pro rata that you've already accrued. So really, once you've got an employee who's who is hitting their five-year anniversary, you should be starting to accrue in your accounts um, their long service leave entitlements. Yeah. So it's it's a complicated issue, really. Uh, not only employment but entitlements itself is is quite complex and and I would encourage people to make sure that they understand what those obligations are before they go ahead and employ people. But of course, as small businesses, we're usually employing people because we're stupid busy and we need someone to help with the workload. So when you've got a down period, perhaps now having just returned to work and you're considering taking on an employee in 2018, why don't you use this time now where it's not so busy where you are investigating the options and finding out what your requirements are and your obligations and the costs may be, those hidden costs like entitlements that you don't consider. And having said that, engage with someone locally who is uh, an, an expert in this and can help you and, you know, surround yourself with good people, as we say here on Small Biz Matters. And one of those fabulous people, of course, is Michelle Archer. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Now, remind me again what your website is. Uh, it's www.archerlaw.com.au. Excellent. Check it out. I'm sure there's lots of fabulous information on there. And of course, you can go to the Fair Work Ombudsman Commissioner, whatever, Fair Work .gov.au uh, have lots of useful information both yeah. for employers and, and just employees. just Google your question and those those sites will pop up. Exactly. And there's other sites that pop up as well, but don't yeah. use those sites. <laughs> use the fair work. Always use government sites when it's available to you. Yeah. So, so can we, thank you very much for coming thank on the you. show again. And um, next week we've got uh, another guest lined up, of course, which will be fabulous, who I can't recall off the top of my head who that is. One moment, please. I'm just going to go to my calendar. Next week on the show, we have, oh, yes, of course, we've got Declan coming in from um, Valiant Finance, and he's going to be talking all about the different options when it comes to small business loans, and uh, being an independent broker for small business loans. Um, good to know that there's more than just the big four options. So he's going to be a very interesting show next week. Thank you once again for coming on Thank the show, you, Michelle. Lexi. And Thank we'll you. see you all next week on Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name's Alexi Boyd and you're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM.